My name is Pastor Peter Gedaka. I serve as a pastor in Higher Ground Prince Chapel. We meet in Kiku Township. That's where we are now. As we wait upon the Lord, and when we move from there, we will definitely let you know where we are. But for now, as the Lord uh, helps us, we'll be meeting there. And for you, possibly who's joining us this day, we also want to welcome you. We are grateful even for making time to join us. We'll ask you to look for a pen. We'll ask you to look for a Bible. We'll ask you to look for a book you can write on and make yourself comfortable. For the next 30 minutes, we would like to dig deep into the word of God and hear what the Lord is saying. In this program, we normally do a thorough Bible study. <laughs> this is where we go deep into a verse. Isaiah would call it line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. That is a thorough study of the word of God. And many times I was telling someone we are always in a hurry to go through a certain chapter, if not a certain a whole book. And therefore, if you are one of those people who just want to dwell and dig into the word of God and come out and mind that, that wealth of scriptures, of revelation, you are in the light place. You are in the light place. Thank you so much. And therefore, we chose the book of Ephesians. Right now, we are chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians. That tells you we've come a wrong way. Chapter 6, verse 15. And that's where we begin from today. This is what verse 15 says. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I want to let you know we are looking at the different armor different pieces of the armor of God. We started by looking at the armor of God and we saw that it's not any other armor. It's the armor of God. God did not just choose an armor out there. He gave us his armor. We also looked, uh, that is the broadcast before us, the last one, we, we were able to see the wires of the enemy. The way the enemy lies to us. And we in the last broadcast, we picked a few pieces of armor and now we are where your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let's have a look at that. Maybe if you'd like to go back to where we, the broadcast that we've had before, I'll give you a number at the end of the program and you can call me. We can see how we can work, have that one worked out because we are leashing out people. And it's not like once gone, gone. <laughs> it's not like once it's gone, it's gone. No. So let's look at that verse. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Paul drew this metaphor from the Roman military soldier. Roman warriors, as well as Greek ones, would wear sandals with very thick soles that were fastened to the feet by leather thongs, you know, it's well tied and put into feet. The Roman soldiers choose had thickly studded nails to help them walk. One historian said that the reason that Julius Caesar was so successful as a general was because his men wore military shoes that made it possible to cover long distances in short periods of time. And even today, 
we know that the shoes that the military use, it's not just another shoe out there. It's a heavy, reliable shoe. Yes, if it hits you, you don't wonder whether you'll feel pain. <laughs> you actually feel pain. In the spiritual realm, the shoes of the gospel of peace make a message prepared to share the glad tidings of peace. They make a messenger be prepared to share the glad tidings of peace. The Living Bible describes this shoe as shoes that are able to speed you on as you please the good news of peace. The New International Version translates this verse as your feet fitted with the leadiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Isaiah 52 verse 7 describing this same shoe says how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good news or good tidings that publisheth peace that bringeth or bringeth <laughs> good tidings of good that publisheth salvation. Well, <laughs> that's a mouthful. The gospel of peace being spoken of here is not peace among mankind. That is in um, Luke where it talks about peace be among men. You know, that is one translation. But that is not what this one is speaking about. That peace that is spoken about is the byproduct of a relationship. This is speaking of peace between God and man. Understanding that God is no longer mad or annoyed at us. Jesus Christ paid the penalty on the cross and made peace between man and God for what he did. What now me and you are supposed to do is to walk over and around the world and tell the world God is not angry. <laughs> and bring this reconciliation. God is not mad. Man may still be mad with God. He's not aware of the price that was paid, the penalty that was paid. You are supposed to focus and bring attention to that penalty that was paid. And let the world know all you need to do now is to receive Christ in your heart. That is the gospel of peace. Bonus, if you will. So understanding that God is no longer mad with us is what we are calling the gospel of peace. Let's go to verse 16. Verse 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I want you to notice the word above all. The word above all means over all and in front of all. Some have suggested from this statement that the shield of faith is the most important piece of armor. Well, I agree to an extent. I still believe that you need the whole armor. <laughs> you need the whole armor. We exercise faith, yes. We exercise faith almost daily in our things as sitting on chairs and driving cars, flying in airplanes, and many other areas of our lives, of our existence. But our faith is no better than the object in, in which it is praised. If I was to sit in 
a chair made of cardboard, you know, weak, it would also send me crashing on the cloud. Regardless of how much faith I had, my faith would fall flat because the object of my faith was faulty. Scriptures tells us in Hebrew 12, 2, that we are to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He is the object of our faith. We must transfer our faith from human self-reliance and dependence to relying upon, clinging to, and trusting Jesus Christ in all areas of our lives. Faith, in its simple or in its simplest definition, is to trust, to rely, and to depend upon the resource of another. God's word declares that the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, can never, will never disappoint us. The shield in the Old Testament was referred to as the buckler. Several types of shields were used in the apostles' days, in Apostle Paul's day. Some people get angry, and when anyone advocates total victory in the Christian life, they don't think it is obtainable, it's possible. And therefore, it is long to promote such ideas and get people's hope up only to get disappointed, they would say. Since they will just be disappointed, why make a big fuss on faith? But this verse teaches that our shield of faith will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. It doesn't say some darts. It says all the fiery darts of the enemy, of the wicked. So it is promising us total victory. It is important to realize that this victorious Christian life does not happen because there is no opposition. Satan will shoot shoot his fiery darts anyway. In fact, once a person starts studying on the word of God, the attack will intensify. 2 Timothy 3.12, Mark chapter 4 verse 17, Mark chapter 4 verse 16. Victory over all the attack of the enemy is possible. All fiery darts of the enemy. Paul said, now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. He said, triumph in Christ. We will triumph in Christ in Jesus' name. Paul had great opposition, but he always won in Christ. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17, where he says, And take the helmet of salvation and the word of the Spirit and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet was a piece of armor that protected the Roman soldier against deadly blows to the head. What the helmet was to the Roman soldier, salvation is to the Christian soldier. There can be no victory unless the mind is protected with God's word. Romans chapter 8 verse 6, which says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You need peace, you need to be spiritually minded. How do you stay spiritually minded? You meditate on the word of God. 
Lead the word of God. Meditate the word of God. Speak the word of God. As Christians, the battlefield is in the area of our mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We must be careful to protect our minds from long thinking and be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Romans 12, 2. Every thought can be brought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The word sword of the spirit is our only offensive spirit, uh, weapon in battle. Defense is a great asset to any warrior. If a warrior has only a good defense and no offense, though he might protect himself from being badly hurt, but he could not win the battle. This piece of armor known as the sword of the spirit is the only piece of armor that has the ability to cut, to wound, to hurt our enemy, the devil. Several Greek words are used for the word, the, that is the word of God. The Greek word used here is rema, and it literally means spoken word, specifically spoken word, that is the word of God. It doesn't represent the Bible that lies on your coffee table that makes the enemy free. It is the word of God hidden in your heart, activated by the power of the Holy Spirit and spoken in an appropriate situation when you are going through battle. It's similar to what Jesus said in John chapter 6, 63. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Bonus, if you will. The word by itself doesn't make us free. It's the word we know and speak that will deliver us from the hearts of the enemy. It's the one that will set us free. It's that word hidden in your heart that you speak. Why is the word so effective? It's because it is the word of God. <laughs> it has authority. Because it is indeed the word of God. God's word supersedes all authority of this church. Of listen, all authority of listen, of intellect, and even of Satan himself. That's why it is so effective in Christ. The word of God in this verse is also referred to as the word of the spirit. I want you to notice that it is the Holy Spirit that willed this word as it is spoken in faith. You speak the word the Holy Spirit will take that word and bring victory your way. It's the word of the Spirit. The word of the Spirit. Speaking God's word in faith brings the Holy Spirit swinging into action. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted of the devil for 40 days, it was the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, that Jesus used to defeat the enemy during his temptation. Luke chapter 4, 4. Born as if you were. I want us to look. Maybe the last one. Maybe not the last. The second to last. And that was praying 
always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and washing their own with the perseverance and supplication for all saints. In this verse, Paul was speaking of the last piece of the Christian armor, which is prayer, which is prayer. The phrase all prayer means various kinds of prayer in the spirit. Prayer is more than just asking. For example, there are prayers of praise where you praise God, you worship God. That's a form of prayer. You lift God, you give him glory. Father, we thank you. We worship you. We give you glory. There is a prayer of intercession where you sit down and remember people going through situations. They may be your relatives. They may be your friends. It may be even people you don't know in different countries. And you seek God for their intervention, for his intervention in their situation. There is prayers of thanksgiving, where you sit down and, down and just choose to remember what God has, been, has done for you over time. And you just thank him and you worship and you say, God, you are good. Indeed, you are good. There is a prayer of agreement, where you pick the hand of your friend and you tell him, let's agree concerning this situation. The Bible says where two or three agree concerning anything, it is done in Jesus' name. And of course, there is a prayer of dedication where you dedicate a situation. You dedicate uh, a child. You dedicate. There is a prayer of dedication. Prayer is another form of absolute dependence and reliance upon God for his divine intervention. Prayer directed by God's spirit. That is in the spirit if you pray in the spirit. It means that this prayer is in accordance with God's will. That is 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Paul used this uh, terminology when referring to praying in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 and 1 Corinthians 15. So those are the different types of prayers. And Paul said pray in all types of prayers. Buona asifiwe. The last one is, verse 20 says that, for which I am an ambassador in boards, that therein I may speak boldly. Paul was asking for prayers, and it's interesting that Paul was asking for prayers. It brings us to realize that in Christ there is not one who is too high up not to depend on God, not to depend on prayers. Paul is even asking his listeners to pray for him. We are never too high. We are never a self, self-reliant. That now I don't need the brethren. I can walk alone. I am in a level that I can walk alone. That is not true. We want to stop there. And indeed, that is the last verse. I believe next time we'll be Studying a different book, possibly the book of Romans, as God helps us, as God leads us. We want to thank you again for joining us. For you, especially for you who's been with us all through the book of Ephesians, we are grateful that you spent time with us. I would like to hear from you. I would like to hear your comment. I would like to hear your concerns. Please call me in this number 0751 03 09 
0530. I'll repeat again. 0751030930. Call me. We can talk and encourage one another some more. I would also want to remember that one who is not born again. You who've been with us, you've just joined us, you've been with us through and through. You are not born again. I want to give you this opportunity to give your life to the Lord. I made that decision over 30, 27 years ago to be precise. And it is not a decision I would ever neglect. Give your life to the Lord. Make this decision. Say this after me. Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ who died on the cross that I may be saved. I believe Jesus died. I believe Jesus was buried. I believe Jesus resurrected and he is now seated on the light heart of God. I therefore choose to receive the risen Christ, the selected Christ in my heart. I open my heart and also ask the Holy Spirit to come in. Help me to live a godly life. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. Light my name in the book of life. I am now born again. If you've made that prayer, and indeed I know you have, I want to thank you so very much for making that decision. I want to ask you to walk possibly to a friend, you know, a, a servant of God, you know, a pastor, you know, and you admire in the manner that they walk and live their lives. They are born again. And tell them what you've done. You've received Christ in your heart through the broadcast. And also you can call me in the same number I had given earlier. Thank you so much. God bless you. Make a date with us for the next broadcast. Let someone know. Call someone. Tell them about this broadcast. And God will bless you. Amen.